0: The World According to Gorf. Shalom shalom, 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 The World According to Gorf. This is Jordan B. Gorfinkel, your host on the Nakam Siegel Network at jmintheam.org. I'm seated at Machine Yavne, Camp Yavne, with Swolf, Sarah Wolf. That's
1: actually Shole What is it? Shole Wolf. S C H U L W O L F.
0: Shoal Wolf. Oh, so it's short for Shoal Wolf. It's
1: short for Shoal Wolf. It comes from, I went to a basketball tournament one year at camp, and being too lazy to write Shoal Wolf on the back of my T-shirt, I wrote S-Wolf, which was then read as Wolf, and it kind of stuck since then. Gotcha.
0: So then what is your full birth name?
1: My full birth name is Sarah Levy Shoal Wolf, and um, should I just talk about myself, I guess? Yes,
0: please. We'd like to know where you come from, All what right. your background is. Um,
1: I'm from West Hartford, Connecticut. I'm 18 years old. This is my ninth summer at Yavna, and this fall I'm going to be starting out as a freshman at Amherst College in Amherst, Massachusetts.
0: And what kind of schooling did you get in parochial school and high school and so forth?
1: I spent um, pre-K through eighth grade at the sullivan Chapter Day School of West Hartford, which is a conservative um, day school. And high school, I went to public high school in my town. Which one? Hall, which is better than Conard, by the way.
0: Uh, What if I like Conard better?
1: then you're wrong. But that's okay. I'm allowing you to be entitled to your opinion.
0: That's very kind of you. And that's, by the way, why I asked to interview you, because I knew that you were a woman of high opinions. <laughs> so how many people here at the camp, uh, campers and staff, would you say uh, share your background of having gone to a day school and then having gone to a public high school?
1: I say there's a decent proportion. I think you get more that have either gone to day school all throughout or public school all throughout but there is definitely a good proportion of people that have at some point made the switch from one to the other
0: now yesterday i sat in on a Shior in which the rabbi who was giving the instruction was talking about women and laning the torah reading the torah and at a certain point i'm going to put you on the spot here okay but I know you can handle it. At a certain point, you asked a very straightforward, even-pointed question, which was, why is it so offensive for women to read Torah? And I'm curious, what prompted that question?
1: Well, I think it's mostly because I grew up conservative, and so reading Torah, participating in services, has always been a big part of my life and my synagogue's life. So obviously I was very interested in the Shior because one of my close friends who is a co-counselor with me is the one who has sort of been bringing this issue to the forefront. And what was confusing me with reading all these sources is it kept making the point over and over again that a woman reading from the Torah, a woman being out in public in front of a congregation, is against what they call the dignity of the congregation, which I believe in Hebrew they called it... um, Kavod Ha-Kihila, something like that. I'm probably wrong. Kavod ha something like that. So what just kept resonating with me and what I wasn't sure about is they were accepting it as just unquestionable fact that a woman being out in front of the congregation is against this Kavod ha And I just wasn't sure where that came from. I wasn't sure at what point that had become a recognized fact that a woman leading, a woman participating, a woman being in public view had become recognizably an affront to a congregation.
0: In a camp like Camp Yavna, which is a pluralistic camp, How do you view the philosophy of pluralism? Do you see it as a philosophy of tolerance and acceptance wherever people may be? Or do you think that the camp is promoting moving people on the derech, moving people along in their Jewish education, trying to get them in some way to become more involved or more observant?
1: I think that um, Yavna is first and foremost about fostering your beliefs, whatever they may be. And that in itself is like the huge aspect of pluralism. But what I think Yavna definitely does is encourages you to deepen your understanding or connection, whatever that may be. So as a conservative Jew, maybe Camp Yavna would be, I've always like Rabbi Richie, who's one of the conservative or egalitarian leaders, would encourage me to do Torah readings and do Haftarot. So that was a way for me to deepen my connection, whereas somebody else might be encouraged to Learn more Torah, do a chavruta, study with a rabbi. So I think it's definitely about promoting your own individual growth.
0: Now I noticed that when on Shabbat morning, after we were done with feline or all of our various minyanim, everybody came together, but they came together in a mechitza minyan, which is to say there was a div- division between the genders, male and female, on mm-hmm. opposite sides. How do you feel about that being the baseline?
1: I've never found a huge problem with it. I just assumed that, you know, it was to make the most amount of people comfortable and that people who are comfortable in an egalitarian setting wouldn't take tremendous issue with a separated setting. But whereas someone who is more comfortable with a separated setting would feel very uncomfortable being in an egalitarian setting. Although, I don't know, in recent years, it has come more to my attention that maybe that's not the way everybody thinks. I've never minded it. I always enjoy Saturday afternoon services. It's one of the highlights of Shabbat. But, you know, some people might not feel the same way I do.
0: As you move into the future, do you look forward to spending more summers at Yavna? What are your plans?
1: I would absolutely love to spend as many summers as possible at Machina Yavna until they kick me out, basically.
0: And what's your job this summer, by the way?
1: I'm a madricha, or a counselor, for Adat Levi'im, which is kids who are going into ninth grade, so 14-year-olds. And, yeah, and I'm also a uh, swim instructor, which I guess I have to go do now. Great.
0: Swolf, thank you very much.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for interviewing me.
0: My pleasure. You're listening to The World According to Gorf on the Nachum Siegel Network. The World According to Gorf, seated in Camp Yavne, Machane Yavne, in... Nottingham, New Hampshire?
2: Northwood.
0: Northwood, New Hampshire. Nottingham is just so memorable. Hey, and we're it. seated with the camp director, Debbie Sussman herself, who is part of an illustrious J and the AM Jewish music family. We'll explain what that is in a little while, but first, let's get an introduction. Debbie, please tell us about your background, how you got into Jewish summer camping and then we'll talk a little bit about Camp Yavne and its special place in the Jewish educational firmament.
2: Okay. Um, I got into Jewish camping very serendipitously, if you, would, if you will. I will. <laughs> I've been the director of Camp Yavne for 23 years, and I was a camper here for three years and on staff for one. So this is my 27th year of being at Machina Yavne. At the time that I took the job, I was a physical therapist. I had worked with handicapped kids for about 16 years, and I also had done some things in our synagogue, run youth services and helped out in the Hebrew school and that kind of thing.
0: Which synagogue and where?
2: Temple Israel in Natick, Massachusetts, and- a suburb of Boston. Correct. I always kept in touch with Yavna because once you've gone to Yavna, you always want to keep in touch with what was going on. And I knew that they were in between directors and that they had, I had thought that they had just hired somebody. so. At a cocktail party for Rabbi Harold Kushner, which some of you, some of your listeners might know who he is, he wrote when bad things happen to good people. Uh, he was our, our rabbi in Natick for many years. He was retiring, and there was a cocktail party for him, and I was there. And the president of the Yavna Corporation at the time, he and I were in the same karm, that was the same CIT group together. And he asked me what I was doing, and I told him. And he and I and I said, oh, I heard you got a new director. And he said, "Well, actually, it just fell through." And he said, in the same breath, "Well, why don't you do it?" So I said, "Oh, that would be fun." You know, just because it would be, fun. I thought it would be fun.
0: How naive!
2: How you? wrong I was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's been a lot of fun. But I really knew nothing about. Even even that statement showed that I knew nothing. Then we started talking about it, and I would say I didn't do anything. The rest of the party, I just stood and talked to Nathan Cates. And we talked about it and what it means and what it meant and what it would, could mean um, and what kind of shape the camp was in and all kinds of different questions. And then he said, well, look, at the end of the night, he said, well, if you're interested in pursuing it further, um, why don't you be in touch with, he gave me the name of somebody and, um, and maybe we'll be in touch with you. So I talked about it with my husband and a couple of days later I called. In those days, 23 years ago, it wasn't a real interview process. It was sort of like, well, do you want to do it? They literally had nobody else. And um, they were also on the brink of closing. They had had another year. The uh, parent organization at that time was Hebrew College. And Hebrew College had been funneling money to Yavna because Yavna had been losing money. And they weren't going to do that anymore. So it was either, you know, sink or swim at that point. So the president of, the, of Hebrew College at that time didn't want me. I mean, I understand why. But he really wanted a rabbi. And I clearly was not a rabbi. So when he interviewed me, he said, well, we really don't want you, but we don't, we don't seem to have anybody else. So you can take the job and we'll give you a one-year contract and we'll see how it goes. And I said, well, you know, you don't really need to give me a contract. If you don't want me to continue in a year and, or I don't want to continue, then we can just take it from there and let's see how it goes. I said, you don't really have too much to lose at this point. That's really how I came to get the job. And the other funny at the time, totally not funny part of the story is I really had no financial background at all. My husband does, did, but I knew nothing about a budget. It's got to be pretty important when you're running any kind of organization, whether it's a not-for-profit or um, you know a full-fledged for-profit. They said that, oh, that's not a problem. That was one of the questions that I did ask. Smart, And they said, it's not a problem. There's a man, his name's Marty Braver, and he's been really running the finances for the camp with Hebrew College for, oh, easily the last 20 years. So I said, great. So, you know, that wasn't a concern of mine. So the first phone call that I made when I assumed the job was to Marty Braver. And he said, well, I'm not sure who told you that, but the truth is that um, I've told them I'm not doing anymore. I'm completely finished. 20 years is enough for me. And so I said, oh, thank you very much. And I hung up and then talk about sink or swim. That was it. (laughs) So I just got down to business with my husband helped me. The other thing was I said, I don't raise money. I don't know how to raise money and I have no interest in that. And in fact, I'm uncomfortable with it. Well, that first year I wasn't raising money, but by the second year we needed a new girl's shower house badly, really badly. Uh, uh, It was at the bottom of a hill, and the mud would run down into the girls' shower house. So when the girls would come out of the shower house clean, they would walk into the mud if it was a rainy day. Uh, We raised money that year. Um, I hated every minute of it, but we raised enough money for that. And then it's been uh, uphill, downhill ever since, depending on how you look at it. When we were raising money to redo our fields, because we had to redo our septic system, we did have one woman who gave us $50,000, and she said, my father was always a systems man, and uh, he, he said, "So what? I want I want my name on the spigot that turns on the septic system." Uh, so that was entertaining. Um, I don't think she really meant it. We never don't tell her, but we never did put her name on that oh, no. on the septic system Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's
0: a dirty little secret. Aha! Uh-huh, very, yeah. very. Who is your husband?
2: <laughs> Funny you should mention him. My husband is Joel Sussman, and he is a member of the Jewish American Sound, Safam, and they have been around for 40 years.
0: He's more than just a member. He is the Safam.
2: What yeah. does Safam mean? Safam means mustache, and actually about three or four years ago, he shaved it off. Oh, no. Uh-huh. He was the last one to have one, and no. he shaved it off. Yes.
0: Did he put it on eBay? Uh,
2: no. He actually, he grew it in Israel, and he shaved it off in Israel. Oh, well, that's very nice. Yeah, it's very nice. He grew
0: it in Israel 40 years before. Yeah. Or so. Yeah. Wow. That's right. Yavne camp director Debbie Sussman has introduced me to the theme song from Yavne, which was written by Joel Sussman, which will be a very appropriate introduction to the discussion we're about to have. So let's cue that up right now. You're listening to the Natham Siegel Network, JM in the AM.org, The World According to Gorf.
3: Our fathers fought the war Hebrew college had a plan To build a Jewish summer camp raise the funds and went and bought Property on Lucas Pond Jewish children could embrace What the founders had in mind Strong ideals they could define Differences conservative and orthodox both the sharing what they've got non-religious and reform they have also found a home reading from your care lord and living care the madrefi And found a place where children learn to love their faith
0: listening to The World According to Gorf on jmintheam.org We're back in Northwood, New Hampshire on site at Camp Yavna, Machane Yavna talking with Debbie Sussman, the director of the camp. Debbie, when did this camp open? When was it built and who built it?
2: Well, as the song goes back in 1944 who built it? Um, Hebrew College built it at the time. It was... um, obviously before the State of Israel was born, um, and they wanted to make it, it was an educational and Hebrew-speaking camp at the time. Um, that meant that if you came, whether you knew Hebrew or you didn't, everyone was supposed to speak Hebrew. I'm not sure how much the chanihim, the camper, spoke Hebrew, but all the adults and the counselors spoke Hebrew, which was quite uh, interesting and quite remarkable in 1944. It was also a place where the uh, the campers studied, they really studied. Now, what I found out much later when I was director was I thought when I came here, we used to study for four hours in the morning. We'd study text. We'd study Hebrew. And that's really where I learned the Hebrew that I know today. Now, I would describe Yavne not as a Hebrew speaking camp, but a camp where Hebrew is spoken. So you hear Hebrew around the campus. And we refer to our buildings in Hebrew. We make our announcements in Hebrew Today we're having a Yom Yisrael at camp, and there's a lot of Hebrew used. Today at lunch had a, um, a day where everybody speaks Hebrew in the Chadorochel, in the dining hall. And at the end of camp we have Maccabiah, which is our color war, and there's a Degil So the, the team that speaks the most Hebrew gets the flag. So it's still very much a part of camp, but in a, in a different way.
0: I think my favorite part of camp today was the uh, little cart riding around getting out the Lidah.
2: Yeah that was great.
0: That was that was very sweet.
2: And you had to ask for it in Hebrew in order to get some glida. As I mentioned at the beginning, I would say the 40s, 50s and 60s the camp was strictly an educational um, and Hebrew-speaking camp with of course we have a beautiful waterfront and there were activities at the time I was I was in the part of the Rikud staff and I always loved dancing so Zamaratik, which everybody can do to dayagim which is a couples dance lots of circle dances in those days everything was a circle dance and now there's very little circle dancing it's all mostly line dancing so at that time it was almost exclusively Boston, I would say, and greater Boston. Even today, Yavna is, the population of Yavna is about 80% New England. We're still very much a New England camp. And then we have about 150 kids that come from the New York, New Jersey area, and then from other places, Israel, France, London, many states. So it really draws from everywhere. We've always been very much a word-of-mouth camp. I mean, through our alumni that would send their kids back and by different communities, you know, you got to find out about Yavna, it's a great place, and they'd tell them why they would send their kids there. And it was a lot of word-of-mouth that really got our population to swell to the number that it is today. The other thing was the camp could really only hold about 200, 250, so we had to build some new bunks and, and also renovate other bunks so that we could hold more kids
0: now we refer to this as an overnight camp. but change does not come overnight. Mm-hmm. What are the kinds of? Yes, I, by the way, that's going to be a cartoon
2: now,
0: <laughs> in jewishcartoon.com. dot oh, com.
2: And then over the years, we've changed some things. Like for example, the thirteen year olds would do a what their learning would be about Moledet, which was this we considered that the state of Israel. Now it's not like school that. You know, when you're in second grade, then next year you're going to be in third grade, and hopefully there's a curriculum that follows you through school. Well, we can't really do that at camp because kids come and go. Some kids start in second grade, and some kids don't start until fifth grade. So every summer, each unit is independent of the summer before. We have six units at camp that we call dote. So the youngest group is current. We go by current grades: second, third, and fourth graders. The next group is 5th and 6th graders. And then after that, it's one grade per group, 7th, 8th, 9th. The youngest one is Gurim. The second one is Kfirim. Um, next one is Ariot and Leviim, And those are all stages in the growth of a lion's life. And then Malot and Karim. And Karim are our CITs. It's a selective and a very important program at Yavna. And then after that, they go on Na'ala, which is a summer in Israel program. And then only then can they come back when they're 18 and be, Madrichim, can be counselors. And that, again, is a selective process. But all of our Madrichim, except for our mishlachad, our Israeli staff, have been to Yavna before. And not one of them this year has not been to Yavna. So the love of camp and the sort of camp just gets passed down from generation to generation, which is really very powerful. It wasn't always that way. It's been that way, I would say, now for about the last 10 years or so.
0: This is a pluralistic camp. Can you describe to me the evolution of the camp into a pluralistic camp? What pluralistic means both in terms of its general philosophy and it's specifically relating to Camp Yavna?
2: Okay, so Hebrew College and Yavna were both started as pluralistic camps. They were started with the idea that they wanted every and any Jew that wanted to come to this camp for the Jewish education to come. And back in 1944, the divisions of the different streams of Judaism wasn't the way it is today, where I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's very often very polarized. Reform is here and conservative is here. So in those days, I think it was somewhat the same, but there wasn't the strong emphasis on if you were reform and you came to camp, and even in those days, we had to feel out, we had prayers every morning. So they started with a mechitza. Back in a mechitza, girls would sit on one side, and boys would sit on the other side. And when I went to camp, that's what we had. But there was no actual physical mechitza in the middle, which is a piece of cloth, more or less, that divides men and women. That's something that's evolved, a small thing. But so we just used to sit on separate sides. And in those days when camp was start, was uh, just started and certainly through at least into the early 60s, um, girls didn't read Torah. They weren't called to, to, to the Torah. So it wasn't such a big, you know, it didn't really matter because the guys would do it. Um, and there really wasn't that much of a discussion about it. It was only pluralistic because the people that came to camp were from different backgrounds. Um, so then as time evolved, camp evolved. We are a true Kla Yisrael pluralistic camp. And the reason I say that we are true is that in order to be a pluralistic camp, you have to have all the streams of Judaism to make it you know, to make each part part of the whole. So we have reform, conservative and orthodox. We have liberal, we have unaffiliated. Um, We get quite a few rural Jews that feel that this is the, their children don't get enough Judaism during the year. And this is sort of like their strong dose for the rest of the year. Our population is, I would say, very just approximate because we ask on the application, but it depends if they go to day school, they went to day school, what synagogue they belong to. Some people belong to two or three synagogues, so it's not so clear cut. But we're about 30% orthodox, we're about 50% conservative, and um, and we're about 20% unaffiliated. No, I wouldn't say reform. I'd say reform is part of that grouping, unaffiliated, liberal, and reconstructionists. We're just we 're all that that 's that last twenty percent mm-hmm. so now pluralism is pretty fashionable, but that 's always who we 've been that 's not just something that we decide oh we 're going to wake up and be a <laughs> pluralistic camp it was it's always it 's also been it 's been wonderful for who we are because we 're very unique in the country. But it's also been a little bit difficult because we don't have a natural group to go to to recruit campers. We can't go to Orthodox synagogues necessarily. They may or may not let us in. Or Orthodox day schools or conservative day schools or Hebrew schools because they have, you know, camp. the conservative movement has Ramah and the Orthodox movement has Mosheva and other camps. So th- that's always been a bit of a challenge for us. That, you know, that's why we're so thankful that our alumni are so you know, enamored with camp and send their kids back. And we also have a family camp now, which is a great feeder for Yavne.
0: The challenge that I find personally is the orthodox or let's call it the more uh, traditionally observant Jews are concerned that exposure to a less observant crowd will affect their children. And likewise, there's a fear amongst the liberal crowd that exposure to an observant crowd will firm out their kids and make them under Recognizable to their parents in terms of their religious observance Mm -hmm. so how is it that you have created here or you nurture here a kind of oasis of brotherhood or peoplehood and i would say the only other place that i really have ever seen that is in the hillel movement so how do you achieve that
2: the hillel movement is different because it's building it's in a like on a college campus The the students go back to their dorms or apartments or whatever every night. They might eat there and they might come there, but it's not the same thing as living in a community. So this is a community that the kids live in, as well as our staff, of course, which is incredibly important, uh, for the summer. So we have to have a community that is very respectful of this ideal to start with. And we make sure that parents understand what we do but i 'll give you some examples of how we compromise sort of across the board well, first of all, the campus is strictly kosher, and we have a mashkiach. now if you don 't care if you have a mushkiach or not if you it doesn 't matter we have one it doesn 't bother shouldn 't bother you one way or another. We also have terrific food if it matters to you, we have it. We have an eruv. an eruv is a string that runs around our camp, which encloses the camp to make it a community. And so peop, Orthodox Jews feel comfortable there, whether it's pushing strollers, and we do have some adults with babies here, or whether it's carrying books or carrying anything else. So that's another example of, you might not even know what an Eruv is, but we have it.
0: Be comfortable it, to do those things on Shabbat, that is.
2: Yes. Sorry, I forgot the Shabbat that's part. Okay. Yeah, We also have multiple types of minyanim. And one of them is an egalitarian minyan, so for those that want to go to that, they can. We also have a mechitza minyan. The younger kids pretty much are learners minyanim, and they do a lot of songs and some prayers and a lot of singing and some games, using cedricines uh, to act out things for Shabbat, for the Torah readings, that kind of thing. But if you ask any kid at camp, no matter what background they come from, if you ask them what is their favorite day at camp, they'll all tell you Shabbat. It's just a very, very special day here. So we we start with relish, which is Ruach Levnei Shabbat, which is really uh, singing and music before Shabbat starts. And we have a camp band. It's a long day, but it's a very relaxing day. (laughs) about what other kids, what other families do. And I'll give you an example of that. There is a pluralistic high school in the greater Boston area named Gann Academy. And I've heard from more than one or two of the administrators that the kids that go to Yavna have a very comfortable level of understanding and being able to practice, if you will, pluralism.
0: I'm not sure I understand what you mean by practicing pluralism. Is practicing pluralism a tolerance for many different interpretations of Jewish practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's just the way I'm reading it right now. How would you define that? No, I think
2: there? that's I think you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly right. And by
0: tolerance I mean I practice one way, but I recognize that there are other practices, there are other means of observance, different levels, and I'm not necessarily going to be swayed one way or the other. That's not the purpose of Mm -hmm. this. The purpose of this is, well, I'm putting words in your
2: mouth. No, that's that's exactly right. You put very nice words into my mouth. Um, That's exactly the case. That... Kids understand and respect. It's really all about respect. It's respect in how they treat each other, and it's respect in how they each, whatever beliefs they are, whether they're about Judaism or anything else, one person's belief is not more right or wrong than somebody else's when it comes to, um, Judaism. So the idea is that they have a greater understanding of what kids do, but that we are totally non-judgmental about what they do or what they do in their family. So you, you would hear someone say, um, and talking about Shabbat, like some of the things we do at camp. At Yavna, we do Kiddush. So when the the Madriuchim, when the counselors go over what Shabbat looks like at the beginning of um, at Yavna, they say, so we do Kiddush. And they might, for those that don't know what Kiddush is, they'll say, some of you might do Kiddush in your homes to bring in Shabbat. And the expression, some of you, is used quite often. So it doesn't come out as, on Shabbat, you do Kiddush to bring in Shabbat. Because there might be many families that don't do Kiddush that are a camp, but let them experience Kiddush and hear Kiddush. And then they might go back and, and, and say to their parents, you know, I heard Kiddush or we don't do Kiddush. Do you think we could try it when we would never, ever denigrate what somebody else is doing, whether it's their own personal beliefs while they're at Yavna or at home? So that's basically it comes down to respect.
0: So, forgive me, I'm still a little bit confused. I'm trying to understand this. I'm trying to be as objective as possible. Mm -hmm. With observant Judaism, there is a baseline. There's a foundation of halacha that says, this is the way it is done.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: With liberal Judaism, to my understanding, there is also a baseline of this is how it is done, but there is more room for movement and reinterpretation, and it might, in fact, be interpreted and practiced Differently, or perhaps not at all, than the foundation of observant Judaism. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if we have a practice of pluralism at Camp Yavne that says, some do it this way, is the ultimate objective to move people towards a foundation of Judaism in their lives that is halachic Judaism? or is the movement towards saying we want you to be tolerant whether or not you're moving to the left or to the right
2: well i think that what you just said was is uh, very important we want you to be tolerant whether you're moving to the, the left or the right or whether you're not moving at all we want you to be tolerant that's number one um number two is we practice halachic Judaism here. So again, for some people, that's very important, and that's how they can come to Yavna. For other people, this is what we're practicing. This is what the kids are participating in and observing. If they don't do that when they go home, so be it. But this is what we're practicing here. They are part of the Yavna community while they're here. And those that come back year after year, and we have a very high return rate, they come back because they feel comfortable in this Jewish environment, in this Jewish community. They're comfortable here. If it, if it was, if I think if they felt like it was too much, then they wouldn't come back. Any child, even if they don't know Hebrew, can come to Yavin and still feel perfectly comfortable. They might, if we're making an announcement in the dining hall, they might turn to a friend and say, what does that mean? But kids pick up really quickly. So a lot of it's through osmosis. A lot of it is through these great friends that they make, that, that they respect, that they learn from, and they learn from each other. And, you know, we have plenty of kids that come to camp that, when they're home, they don't go to synagogue on Saturday morning. They play, they play soccer. But we don't care what they do outside of camp. When they come here, we do what our family does, what our community does. and we seem to be There's a lot of love here. There's a lot of understanding, and um, I think that's what really holds it all together. To reach their full potential. Although we shared this quote when we filled out the survey at the end of the summer, we wanted to share it again. It came from a letter Seth sent us about two weeks into his stay in camp. I love camp. Sign me up. I'm going next year. Camp makes me a better person. Shabbat is my favorite day of the of the week. When Seth got home, we asked him about camp, making him a better person, and he mentioned that he has better table manners, is more interested in davening, and just feels better about himself. Seth is a kid who in the past has gotten in his own way, and behaved on less than stellar way at home and school. We knew that something had finally clicked for him when on pickup day, the counselor who had helped us with his luggage say, oh, said, oh, Seth, what a great kid. Trust me, although we absolutely agree with the counselor, this is not something that we have often heard someone say spontaneously about our son. His first two months at school have been incredible. He went from a kid who in the past uses intelligence to figure out how to push the buttons of all the adults to one who is excited to be at school and thrilled with the increased academic challenges that fifth grade brings. We cannot begin to count how many teachers have stopped us and talked about how much he has matured over the summer. He went from a kid filled with potential to one who is achieving his potential and beyond. He is more interested in davening and instead of complaining about benching, leads it for our family on a regular basis. His confidence has grown and he is happier. We know that the environment and staff at Yavna were a perfect fit for him, and we were almost as excited as when we completed the registration process for him to return to Yavna next summer. We want to thank your staff for creating such a special place, and we are thrilled that our son will have many years there to grow and thrive.
0: Director Debbie Sussman at Mahana Yavna, thank you very much. hatzlacha Rabah, much continued success and many more years to you, as long as you can handle it. Toda <laughs> Comments, questions, or you just want to kvetch? Go to Facebook.com slash The World According to Gore. We're at Machane Yavna in New Hampshire, where I'm seated with two people who are going to give us another perspective on the conversation that I had with Director Debbie Sussman. Please identify yourselves,
4: gentlemen.
5: Shalom Aleychum, my name is Joshua Klein. Known as Shuki,
0: also known as Menachem
4: Begin. Hi there, I'm Alicia Galler.
0: And can you give me one minute on your background, starting with you,
4: Alicia? Sure, I am a uh, recent graduate from Maimonides School. Uh, I attended uh, Orthodox Day School all my life, and I am uh, heading to Yeshiva in Israel the com- this coming year.
0: My is in Boston, that is, and you grew up in Sharon, Massachusetts, correct? I did. Fair disclosure, your father Ezra and I were in Hone together, and your mother Julie and I were in Chicago growing up together, in so much as I grew up anyway.
5: Shuki. My background is I grew up in San Francisco, California. I was born in San Francisco and grew up in the suburbs, the suburbs called Concord, California. I grew up there until I went to San Diego State University for my undergrad. And I then went traveling and studied in Israel um, for two years at Hebrew University. I received a master's in Jewish civilization. Um, I did a volunteer program there, Otsma, for 10 months. And then I went to Yeshivat and for two years. And now I'm currently at Yeshiva University for rabbinic ordination and a master's degree in Jewish philosophy. This is my third summer at Yavne.
0: Three years. And Alicia, how many years?
4: This is my ninth summer at camp.
0: Wow. So you started with what, Eidot, or named the Eidot you were with?
4: I started off in Older Gurim, and I have been in Kafirim for two years. Ariot, Levim, Malot, Karim. I spent a year or a summer in Israel on Yavna's program called Nala, and this is my first year as a counselor we were talking
0: about the subject of pluralism as it relates to Machane Yavne.
4: Is the philosophy
0: at Yavne pluralism for the sake of pluralism? Is the idea to promote tolerance wherever people might be and accept them as they are? Or is it pluralism to guide people along a Jewish path so that they become in some way more involved, more observant, etc.? Shoki, I'll ask you first.
5: My understanding of how Yavne incorporates Pluralism within the camp setting is that it does not have one ideal. It does not have one zerem or movement that it um, associates with or guides the madrichim or the chanechim, the counselors or the campers with. The influence is guided through each and every individual that is included. People do conflate all different ideals into one melting pot, but within the melting pot, it actually, each individual keeps its own peace. It's more like a salat. It's more like a salad. There's an individual that has its own peace. They give to the camp what they believe in, their ideals. They either come from a left, and either politically or religiously, whatever that means for a Torah lifestyle, and all the way to the right, religiously, politically. Everyone comes here as an individual. They come from different backgrounds. They come from different communities. And we, as a group, create our own community. And the pluralism isn't necessarily that one has to associate with a certain group, or one has to act a certain way. Rather, it's a combination and compilation of all the individuals acting the way that they would at home, or maybe a little bit different because it's the summertime and they can appreciate each other, and they just learn from each other. The learning from each other is very healthy and very wonderful because where are you able to gain an opportunity or a situation where so many people from such a varied background are able to come together and celebrate religious ceremonies? Um, discussions, uh, or just the everyday lifestyle. It's very good because you can get exposure to different people that you would never be exposed to. It's your hometown or your home community, which is beautiful. Once you're exposed to different things, you have the opportunity to take advantage of learning more things, and you can either take those things on upon yourself and enjoy that lifestyle, or you can choose not to enjoy that lifestyle, but the option is available. So on the one hand, it, it could be seen as dangerous to changing your ideals of what you believe in, But on the other hand, you gain gain exposure to it. I think it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. You have had
0: an interesting journey yourself. As somebody who grew up with a more or less secular background, meaning you weren't exposed necessarily to religious observance in
5: Judaism, how do you view Yavne in helping you on your journey? I am constantly inspired by the people here whether it's religious or not religious, Torah lifestyle or not Torah lifestyle. I'm coming from the viewpoint of a mechanech, somebody who's educating, um, somebody who's trying to mentor others. But I'm constantly inspired by people who make these decisions at a young age, thinking about them in a very open and loving and embracing environment. I'm who I am, and I try and share with them my ideals on things, but I more try and evoke their emotions and their ideals to have them think for themselves. Alicia, is pluralism in
0: Mahana Yavne a philosophy unto itself, meaning is the idea to promote tolerance wherever people might be and accept them as they are, or is it a movement in which we're trying to get people to in some way grow or continue on the path of Judaism and Jewish observance?
4: So I think it is the uh, the latter of the two, um, but not to, to sort of push them in, in a direction either left or right, but to sort of give them the Klal Yisrael experience, this kihilah, this community at camp, to allow them to continue on the path that they are on coming into camp, whether they are secular or religious or anywhere in between, that they have a Jewish connection that becomes so powerful in, in this Klal Yisrael with people from all different parts of the spectrum and allows them to to strengthen the way they come in so that they can go out, with a stronger sense of their original identity.
0: How has Yavna impacted your own journey as somebody who I believe has grown up more or less modern Orthodox? Is that fair to say?
4: Yes, it is. So having gone to camp for so long, I feel that I have stayed mostly true to to where I started, but I feel that my connection and my... My experiences with Tfilah and, and learning have become strengthened in my ability to have discussions and conversations with people from all different parts of the spectrum, people who, who don't necessarily believe in God, people who don't necessarily connect to Tfilah, to be able to interact with them and give my opinion and hear their opinion and to learn and grow from all of those experiences.
0: But I would like to ask one follow-up question, which is, and it might be a little tough question. Can you think of something, both of you, in your personal experience, where somebody who comes from a less knowledgeable Jewish background has perhaps changed your view on how you yourself observe?
4: As one of the more religious Jews in the community, I felt that being around less religious Jews has actually strengthened my experiences. Uh, Last year when I was in Israel on Nale, I was one of... Three of 11 boys coming from an Orthodox background and having the opportunity to lead Tfilot on such a regular basis and being a Kohen, a priest, I had the opportunity to do Birkat Kohanim every day of the summer. And the support that I got from all my friends who all wanted to be a part of the Minyan, even though they couldn't necessarily lead or didn't necessarily know how to say all of the Tfilot, but the support that I received for them, from them allowed me to, to sort of strengthen my Judaism and feel that I was in such a safe environment to, to grow.
5: From the upper staff to the teachers to the counselors to the stu- to the campers they challenge me with questions that constantly affect who i am they challenge me with questions to have me sit and think about the answers that i give because whether you like it or not you are influencing hopefully in a positive manner their understanding of their question you're hopefully broadening their knowledge base by with the, with where you're coming from and giving them an aspect so it has taught me to be way more sensitive and is a good thing we get into the monotony the mundane and we you know get used to our own opinions here you have to have a sensitivity and to be able to phrase things in a sensitive manner actually should be the a, a, a tactic it's a way to teach once again i'll say that i've been inspired by the questions that people have by the innocence of the questions that the people have and the, their thirst for knowledge could the atmosphere of a
0: camp Yavna be replicated in a non-camp setting Sorry, no one can see uh, head shakes on radio, so I'll have to ask for
4: words. <laughs> I don't think it can be re- replicated because I think the the reason it's so strong is because you live with these people. Questions come up all the time. It's not just when you're sitting in a classroom. It's when you're when you're spending time with someone and you're playing sports with them. You could all of a sudden think of something that's been bothering you. And it's at every, every point of the day, there's always a friend you can turn to, to talk to. There's always someone who's available to answer your questions, but in a camp setting where you're, you're there 24-7, you have the opportunity nonstop to be asking these questions, to be having these conversations, and I don't think it can happen in a in a setting where, where you're not as free as you are at camp.
0: Alicia Galler, do you ever feel intimidated by being around people who don't observe as you do to perhaps – Hold back in some of your observances or in some way to change the way you behave because you feel like it would be cooler to fit in if perhaps you were a little less religious.
4: As a more religious Jew at camp where there are a lot of people who are less religious, I sort of take it as an opportunity to be a Dugmat, to be an example, to to show that I am very comfortable with who I am and that if if there are people who want to judge me for the way I am, then those aren't people that I want to be friends with. But I've never run into a situation like that at camp. Everyone I know is always supportive of, of my going to Minchamar every day, which is which is optional at camp. But there's n- no one ever gives you a look for that. It's always that's awesome that you're doing that. That's I wish I could do something like that. Um, it's really a great opportunity to to display the different types of Jews that there are. At camp. This morning I saw that played out. Uh, i around to on Shabbat
0: pizza man in quite stunning baby rush. And I look around the room and if there were a lineup and I could pick out those people from the back who would be the ones to go to the pizza man, these would not
5: necessarily be the people that superficially I would have I think you make an excellent point there. This is a very special setting that you can get this exact environment that you can replicate this any other place we to it our the idea of, to it. What is the idea of to in Israel? Is it the land itself or is it the environment that everything goes along with? It? If we were in Uganda, would it, it could we gain the same message. No, the is no. And if I have to reference that same knowledge really I, I don't know if we can get the same exact um, experience, like me being an academic, environment, I feel that like I'm ask this question. Reach out to this. I'm going to I'm going going to be able to do. And they are interested. If you ask the question, you an If you just Sports with these people, and you sport and discuss the top quality t- music. We'll talk about that. And ask questions about what is your Nisham, what is your soul, the show, what you is the body sharing, what can you work with? Everybody You just have to
0: You're listening to The World According to Gorf on the Nahum Segal Network. We were talking before about creating a level of comfort amongst everybody to practice Judaism as they are accustomed. On Shabbat, I noticed that the entire camp was brought together for Musaf. So Shacharit and Kriyat Torah were minyan by minyan, spread out in different locations around the Machanah. Unfortunately, we had beautiful weather, so one of those included the outdoor amphitheater setting. What's it called? Gilboa. And then everyone came together for Musaf, and Musaf was done with the Mechitzah. Can you explain to me two things? Number one, what is the rationale for bringing people together from egalitarian minions and from Mechitzah minions around a, shall we say, more center-right davening setting? And number two is, if I were the parent of a child of a liberal Jewish background, why would I want to send my child
5: to a camp where the default seems to be center-right as opposed to center-left? Being exposed to different things for different people is a, an enriching environment. First of all, Joel Sussman, who's been leading the Musaf service every week for years, decades, it's geschmack. Everyone la- talks about it. I, had, I led a discussion this, this afternoon with Arayot girls, which is in the Eida Arayot, 13-14, um, Three girls said that they liked Moose off the best at camp. If you have an opportunity to do things that you would never have been exposed to before, then either you'll get into it you'll learn to do it, you'll learn to love it, or just for the simple fact of appreciating it. There's a person here who does aerial ribbons. It's offered here at camp. There's archery, there's swimming. So people are exposed to different atmospheres and different things, and you choose what you want to do during the week. Go to that meeting during the week. But as a kihila, we come together, and the common denominator is the michitza So I think it's a beautiful thing that if people are not exposed to it, then they can see that this is how Judaism has been doing minyanim for a long time. And if they don't appreciate it, it's one minyanim. Something I learned from my professor this, this semester, which I think is a beautiful idea, is that like, when he davens with his wife, they have to separate, and they go to different areas, and it feels, dif- it, just, it feels different. Yes, says his wife, it does feel different. And you know what? When you're praying to Hashem, or when you come together as Kehillah, it should not seem like every other moment. It should not seem like you're in the chederochel, eating food together. It should not seem like you're at the gam, going swimming. It should not seem like you're at a gathering in the multi-purpose room. You're there to praise Hashem and to sing together as a kihila. So if you put yourself in a zone that you feel different, you'll act different. And you feel the difference during that moment. And then that difference, that separation might even cause us to come together which is interesting contrast simply put why would the default
0: be towards the more strict interpretation of religious observance rather than the more egalitarian interpretation
5: right i want to say it's more strict i would say it's more accurate whatever that means i'd say it's more accurate to traditional understanding of how the prayer service has always been done
0: but would everybody agree with you here
5: Agree on and one. Let me let me be more specific. You
0: will have rabbinic leadership in Camp Yavna that represents multiple perspectives. Mm-hmm. Will those of a more liberal perspective have
5: that take on the subject? Right. They may feel different when they come together with a mechitza. I mean, and it's not how they would daven at home. It's just have one mechitza in the middle of the room. That's the only difference. One final question for you, Shuki. Yes, uh, I am single. Yes, I am single. I'm looking for a mate. You can send out my resume. I'm looking for the Bashar.
0: <laughs> Would you like to give your, your fa- <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, yeah. email? Yeah, You're in the Heights. Yeah. Look for a guy who has brown hair, medium build, glasses, That's a Jewish, a, um, a Gvaldica beard,
5: <laughs>
0: white shirt, dark pants. I've just described three quarters of the Jews shit. in the Heights. <laughs>
5: <laughs> right, sorry about that, yeah.
0: Uh, just tell me, you had the opportunity to attend school at Santa Barbara, but you chose
5: San Diego, yeah, San Diego State. Well, you went to San Diego State, but didn't you say you were choosing oh, that oh. over Santa Barbara? No, no, no. My brother's a gaucho. Um, oh. I was just saying they had a good marine biologist program. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. Right, right, right. So tell me if I want to hang 10 in San Diego, where are the good breaks? Pacific Beach, PB, Mission Beach. You can go there. Oh, no, not Mission Beach, yeah. Ocean Beach and Pacifica Beach. It's, uh, I don't really actually go there too much. I took sailing during college. Did you college. swim the seals? I did not swim the seals my childhood. I have much to do. What am I going to do? Because yeah, I was hanging out in La Jolla recently oh, right yeah, after yeah. Comic-Con, and the lifestyle
0: of the, the young modern Tzioni religious Jews there is remarkable because it was a marine lifestyle. They just they, they swim all the time. They, it, they think nothing of jumping in the ocean, going a mile, and swimming with the seals and going into the caves. And whenever they want to cheer each other, they imitate the sound of seals, which I can't really do. Can you do that? I No, I, I cannot. Oh. Oh, I can't oh, do it. You know, that was really bad. It was, it's, I can't do it. But oh, it was yeah. really, really entertaining. So thanks to uh, the community of La Jolla for hosting me, as always, for a wonderful Shabbat. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us thank on you. The World
5: According to GORF. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And it was wonderful to meet you. I appreciate it speaking with you. Emir am by you. Hashem rote.
0: You can follow me on Facebook, the World According to Gorf page. Please give us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And visit me on JewishCartoon.com. That's JewishCartoon.com for your weekly dose of Jewish humor. And for the best in Jewish vocal entertainment, Pella Singers. That's PelaSingers.com. If you have an Asimcha, bar bat Mitzvah, wedding, you need some vocal entertainment please go to Pellicenters.com. And until next time, this is Gork wishing you Shalom.
3: Shalom, shalom.